Malcolm X, one of the most articulate exponents of the black Muslim philosophy, has said of your movement and your philosophy that it uh, plays into the hands of the white oppressors, that uh, they are happy to hear you talk about love for the oppressor because this disarms the Negro and fits into the stereotype of the Negro as a meat turning the other cheek sort of creature. Would you care to comment on Mr. X's belief? Well, I don't think of uh, love as, uh, in this context, as emotional bosh. I don't think of it as uh, a weak force. But I, I think of love as something strong and that organizes itself into powerful uh, direct action. Now, uh, this is what I try to teach in the struggle in the South, that uh, we are not engaged uh, in a struggle that means we sit down and do nothing. Uh, that there's a great deal of difference between non-resistance to evil and non-violent resistance. Uh, non-resistance leaves, uh, leaves you in a state of stagnant passivity and deadened complacency, wherein non-violent resistance means that you do resist in a very strong and determined manner. And I think some of the uh, criticisms of uh, nonviolence, or some of the critics, fail to realize uh, that we are talking about something very strong, and they confuse non-resistance with nonviolent resistance. He goes beyond that in some of the things I've heard him say, and say that this is deliberately your philosophy of love of the oppressor, which he identifies completely with the nonviolent movement is he says is this philosophy and this movement is actually are actually encouraged by whites because it makes them comfortable it makes them believe that the negroes are meek supine creatures well i don't think that's true if anyone has ever lived with a nonviolent movement in the South, from Montgomery on through the Freedom Rides and through the sit-in movement and the recent Birmingham movement, and see the reactions of many of the uh, extremists and reactionaries in the white community, uh, he wouldn't say that this movement makes, uh, or this philosophy makes them comfortable. Uh, I think it arouses uh, a sense of shame within them often in many instances. I think it uh, does something to cut, touch the conscience and uh, establish a sense of guilt. Now, so often people respond to guilt by engaging more in the guilt-evoking act in an attempt to drown the sense of guilt. But this, uh, this approach certainly uh, doesn't make the white man feel comfortable. I think it does the other thing. It disturbs this... Uh, conscience and uh, it, it disturbs this this sense of contentment that he's had. James Baldwin uh, raises uh, still another point about the whole nonviolent position and approach. He does not uh, reject it in the ways that Malcolm X does, but he raises the question of whether it will be possible to contain the Negro people within this framework of nonviolence if 
we continue to have more of the kinds of demonstrations that we had in Birmingham? Well, I think uh, these uh, brutal methods used uh, by the Birmingham police force and other police forces will naturally arouse the eye of uh, Negroes and uh, I think there is uh, the danger that uh, some will be so aroused that they will retaliate with violence. Uh, I think though that we, we can be sure that the vast majority of Negroes who engage in the demonstrations and who uh, understand the nonviolent uh, philosophy will be able to face dogs and all of the other brutal uh, methods that are used without retaliating with violence because they understand that one of the first uh, principles of nonviolence is a willingness to be the recipient of violence while never uh, inflicting violence upon another. And uh, none of the demonstrators in Birmingham engaged in uh, aggressive or retaliatory violence. It was always someone on the sideline who had never been in the demonstrations and probably not in the mass meetings and had never been in a nonviolent workshop. So I think it will depend on the extent to which we can extend the teaching of the philosophy of nonviolence to the larger community rather than those who are engaged in the demonstrations. Well, how do you maintain this type of discipline, control, and dignity uh, we do a great deal in terms of uh, teaching both the theoret uh, theoretical aspects of nonviolence as well as the practical application. Uh, we even have courses where we go through the experience of being roughed up. And uh, this kind of sociodrama has proved to be very helpful in preparing those who are engaged in demonstrations. The other thing is... Does this even include the children? Yes, it includes the children. In Birmingham, where we had uh, several young from my, we had some as young as seven years old to participate in the demonstrations, and uh, they were in the workshops. In fact, none of them went out for a march. Uh, uh, none of them engaged in any of the demonstrations before going through this kind of teaching session. So that through this method, we're able to get uh, the meaning of nonviolence over, and I think there is a contagious quality in in a movement like this when uh, everybody talks about nonviolence and being faithful to it and being uh, dignified in your resistance. It tends to get over to the larger group because this becomes a part of the vocabulary of the movement. What is the relationship between your movement and such? organizations as the NAACP Corps and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. They're separate organizations, yes. but do you work together? Yes, we do. As you say, they are, each of these organizations is autonomous, uh, but we work together in many, many ways. Uh, last year, we started a voter registration drive, uh, an intensified voter registration drive, and uh, all of the organizations are working together. Uh, sometimes uh, two or three are working together in the same community. Uh, the same thing is true with uh, our direct action programs. In Birmingham, we had uh, the support of SNCC and CORE and the NAACP 
uh, Corps sent uh, some of its staff members in to assist us, and uh, SNCC sent some of its staff members. Roy Wilkins came down to uh, speak in one of the mass meetings and to make it clear that even though the NAACP cannot operate in Alabama, uh, we had the support of the NAACP, so that uh, we are all working together on, uh, in a very significant way, and uh, we are doing even more in the days ahead to coordinate. Is there any machinery, machinery for coordination actually exists now? Well, we have had uh, a sort of coordinating council where we get together as often as possible. Of course, we get involved in uh, many of our programs in the various areas and can't make as many of these meetings as we would like, but uh, uh, we often come together, I mean, the heads of all of these organizations, to try to coordinate our various efforts. What about the federal government? Uh, have you made any direct appeal? Uh, I think Mr. Kennedy has done some significant things in civil rights, uh, but I do not feel that he has uh, yet given the leadership that the enormity of the problem demands. By Mr. Kennedy now, do you mean the president? Or yes, the I'm speaking general? now of the president, uh, mainly. And uh, I would include the attorney general. I think uh, both of these men are men of genuine goodwill, but I think they must understand more about the, uh, uh, the depths and dimensions of the problem. And uh, I think there is a necessity now to see the urgency of the moment. Uh, there isn't a lot of time. Time is running out, and the Negro is making it palpably clear that he wants all of his rights, that he wants them here, and that he wants them now.